0: Good afternoon, it's Dr. Andrew Matheson with another episode of the Medical Sports Nutrition Podcast. We've got a few different articles to run through today. Hope you've been having a good week. The first one is in PLOS 1, and it's a sort of nice, fun little thing to start with. Um, it's called Hungry in the Field, an experience sampling study on the impact of hunger on anger, irritability, and affect. First Officer Swamy, Last Officer Steiger. And it's essentially they've just got some questionnaires done with some athletes, 64 participants from Central Europe. uh, And they just measured different points depending on their sensations using a questionnaire. Asking about their self-reported hunger and then their associated feelings. And they found that after controlling for as much as they could, um, there was... Uh, hunger is associated with negative emotions and, and they've felt that supported the notion of be, being hangry. So just a questionnaire study and to be honest it, it probably asks more stuff than, than we learn from it. Uh, just asking people if they think they get angry when they're hungry is, is a good starting point. I'm, I'm assuming this group are going to go somewhere else with this. Um, it, it did make me think, well, what, what else would I like to know? Um is it worse on certain foods? Uh, the obvious thing being, is it worth with carbs? What's the link to insulin? Um, do people get less hangry when they cut out their carbs? Um, I was talking to someone who works in prison healthcare recently, and, and he says that's something that they often try and uh, push. They 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 know that there's less less sort of anger around and, and less issues if they try and push a lower carbohydrate diet. Um, And any parent knows the impact of certain foods on on emotions and behaviours and uh, that little child reptilian brain banging in as soon as you've got uh, uh, some sort of processed foods in there. So, uh, yeah, I think we're all very happy hangriness exists. Uh, We've all felt it. Um, But why is it there? what would be some alternatives and uh, they don't really come up with anything other than just, just awareness of it. So like a lot of uh, psychiatric interventions, uh, awareness of your emotions is fantastic. Being aware that you get hangry would be great but uh, unfortunately most of us don't have that form of uh, that sort of self-control. Uh, if you do then uh, good good on you. The uh, the next article I've I, I been looking at, it, it's a, a slightly, sort of getting on a little bit, I think it was from 2019. Uh, and this was just going back on this intermittent fasting that I'm doing at the moment. And I've just been working my way through uh, a really great New England Journal of Medicine article called Effects of Intermittent Fasting on Health, Aging and Disease. And it's just a sort of state of play review on this is this is why we think intermittent fasting may may work. And, and it is useful. And there's a, there's a few things in there that, that are kind of key for me. It's um, the elements that they go through on what's the impact of intermittent fasting on uh, the markers of aging and you know, things like your mTOR and all that kind of stuff. Uh, what's the, and how might that work? Is it, is it due to changes in insulin, insulin resistance? Um, is it, and what they say it suggests here is that it's, you're essentially putting yourself into ketosis on a daily basis and the positive effects of that is what leads to a lot of these sort of beneficial um, impacts. Uh, and the the best thing for it was in in it was probably the figures um just for kind of really nice summaries of the first one just looking at all the different uh cellular responses that the intermittent fasting is affecting and and why um why that might have a particular impact on health and and aging And, and back to always back to that thing of stuff like with mTOR it's the kind of opposite of what we might be going for in our athletes but it's not healthy to be an athlete as we keep saying you're uh, you're driving everything that we normally we would be uh, want to avoiding the you're wanting to drive upwards you're trying to push an adaptive response uh, you're not trying to get healthy And in a really nice little second uh, table, just talking through how all these cellular and molecular mechanisms interact, uh, the impact impact of beta-HB and how that impacts the mitochondria, the insulin levels, protein synthesis, biogenesis, autophagy, um, and and just a a nice little summary, a way of of thinking about intermittent fasting. Again, it's sensible. It says that obviously this is just a starting point. Like a lot of the sort of circadian med- medicine stuff, it's these uh, trying to measure things that we don't completely understand, um, but seem to be very popular. And it also seemed to be very traditional in a funny way. Um, the more the more people you talk to and and talk to about how their sort of parents might have eaten, more and more will say, actually, yeah, maybe maybe fasting is the way forward. And I think I've already told you, for me, that that was really noticeable when I worked with uh, some of the French Marines, all from the south of France. And and there was very much an attitude that, um, why would you eat breakfast? You you have a coffee and you get on with it. And these were really fit guys uh, working in a variety of environments, uh, some of the stuff we were doing in in very hot places, um, and and seemed to have fantastic function. And, And that ability not to need regular meals... Seems, seems very obvious now and at the time when they started talking about about how obviously that's, that's quite a useful thing to be able to uh, work and function very well with, with limited food for parts of the day. And you can take over that confidence that it doesn't matter if your logistic chains might be, might be a little more stretched than you would like. So, uh, and moving on to the next article, uh, this one, uh, this one came about me reading this again. It's not, it's not that recent an article. It's called Fructose Metabolism and Cardiac Metabolic Stress. First author Anna Dale, last author Mellor, and it's in Frontiers in Pharmacology. it's from June 2021. This was one where um, I was chatting with someone about fructose and, uh, and fizzy drinks and, and I realized I just didn 't quite have a good uh, handle in my head on on fructose and fructose metabolism as I probably need to, and I really enjoyed this as a yes obviously focusing on the cardiac metabolic impacts of fructose and and obviously for our for our older athletes, the idea that that constant fructose is is going to have a really negative health health effect on you and, and should be something you 're avoiding is really important. Um, But but also just like they did a little sort of summary to get started and just talked through a little bit of the sort of glucose and fructose, how it's used. And and a lot of it kind of has crossovers with with sport and with our athletes. Um, So I think after reading that, I I felt more confident that that my understanding about how damaging it it is, it it, it can be is right. And they do a nice little explanation in there about how a little can be okay The body has mechanisms to deal with fructose and how it is processed differently to to other simple sugars but then they can get saturated very quickly um, and then why that saturation um, would lead to excess fructose in the wrong places with with the sort of effects that that sort of come out from there um, and the other bit I quite liked was that they just talk uh, a bit more about why it might be more damaging than glucose and how sort of phosphofructokinase might be involved there. So again, it's 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 something you would expect to be a useful article for your older athletes, but I found it great for for just reinforcing my understanding of fructose for our athletes because again, there's it's it's like a, a it's a bit like we every we constantly recommend sweeteners a lot of the. Uh, drinks we recommend are fructose we, we go out of our way to find alternative carbohydrates so uh, people are transporting lots of different carbohydrates over so we can get as as much sugar into them as possible using using a gel um but is there a negative effect on that and and back to our right this 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 long-standing uh, uh sort of running theme if you like that um what might Provide you the most glucose to make you the best athlete might not necessarily be uh, the healthiest way to live, and that there may be things you're paying for when you do your your training and the way you diet that you'll pay for in later life. Um, uh, If I could, yeah, if you could top up the amount of fructose that uh, Steve Redgrave had over his, over certainly that sort of second bit of his career once LucasAid started sponsoring. so the gb rowing and the equivalent it would probably be pretty pretty mind-blowing moving on the uh next article was a uh just a bit on uh carb restriction and just raising concerns that initially i think i felt pretty dismissive of but actually after i read it i thought no it's 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 pretty decent and something i've maybe not thought through completely um so it's it's by the sort of group the Burke Group, um, and it's got Catherine Ackerman as well. So it's, it's some really big names. It's short-term carbohydrate restriction impairs bone formation at rest and during prolonged exercise to a greater degree than low energy availability. So you've you obviously got this, the, some of the real big honchos in. Uh, maybe slightly anti-carbohydrate uh, restriction, and the sort of the real key figure at in, in in looking at sort of low energy availability, and this move move away from sort of female athlete triad into this sort of wider encompassing idea of LEA. Um, so they were really asking the question, and they clearly come together and said, "What is the impact on some of the symptoms that we see in LEA?" of carbohydrate restriction. Clearly, if you're restricting the food going in, you're at high risk of LEA. But in particular, would carbohydrate restriction have a negative effect on your bone formation? Is this something we need to be aware of? If you have an athlete that you know... um, had previously female athlete triad or or, or, or sort of um, low energy availability issues and it's something that you've you've highlighted and, and you're aware of together. Should you be taking a really long hard look at, at whether or not uh, carb- low carbohydrate carbohydrate restriction fasted training is is safe for them? Uh, and the this this study, I mean, it was only uh, six day restriction, um, uh, but um, yeah, they they felt that there were there were biomarkers, so surrogate markers, surrogate endpoints that seemed to to show that that might become a problem. Now, it's not something people are reporting lots of cases of, so clearly it can't be a, a very significant problem, and and maybe just the the very nature of of kind of the fact that athletes don't tend to carbohydrate restrict themselves for long periods of time because of the impact on adaptation and and it's very much tends to be something they employ as a tool it might be why we're not getting seeing through to the stress fractures but clearly something will that change my practice actually it probably will it will make me ask anyone I'm seeing with stress fractures about whether or not they've been exploring carbohydrate restriction and I probably should have asked that before and when I kind of delved into their dietary stuff but I think it will be higher in my, my to-do list as, as I spend my time with, uh, with my patients. Um, It'd be really interesting to see if this is going to turn into a longer um, sort of study and whether or not they'll then look at stress fractures and bony injuries and some harder endpoints there. But probably already sort of changing what I'd do. So impressive, impressive article. Um, the next one was just uh, this was a in frontiers in endocrinology. Uh, again, it was from 2021, so not that new an article, but I just was listening to something about microplastics and the impact of them on uh, hormones and androgens, a really nice uh, podcast about that. Uh, I think it was in the, the found my fitness podcasts um and then I was just sort this caught my eye it was it was talking about actually the impact on obesity and is there increasing evidence that microplastics as well as this kind of problems with processed food this um the trial with low fat diets um the Et cetera, etc, one hundred and one things that could be causing increase uh, increased obesity, higher levels of fatty liver, increased insulin resistance and all every, everything like this could microplastics also be a kind of key element that we 've maybe overlooked um, and they put forward a really interesting article and certainly something that that, that will make me think. Um, it, there's evi- obviously evidence we're all aware of that it's accumulating, um, and they, they talk through some uh, how again through uh, a number of different mechanisms microplastics may impact on your ability to uh, control control weight, um, whether or not that's sort of PPAR, whether or not that's sort of lipid lipid regulation, whether or not that, that's gut dysbiosis. Um, so uh, it was a, a good article, and, and again, like a lot of these ones, i had to, to pause and remind myself of some of the obesity science, um, but but interesting and certainly um, a bit, be interesting to see where where that's going to go for. I, I think with these ones, I always had to get a little pause and I think, ah, I wonder if, I mean the scientists that came up with plastics, I guess it would be in the '50s and '60s I mean they, they may well have I mean. Small penises, low sperm counts, and they've made us all fat. Um, they might have a fair bit to answer for, mightn't they? Well, or, or our greed and desire for uh, cheap, easy solutions might have a fair bit to answer for. Probably not really their fault. but Right, and... Uh before i go off on too much of a tangent just going to go the last uh the last one i looked at was uh it was in frontiers in nutrition uh it was very low carbohydrate high fat diet improves risk markers for cardiometabolic health more than exercise in men and women with over fat constitution uh and this was from may 2022 first author sir cyprian and last author sir lawson um nice a bit of a balance to say some some of the stuff we might have covered earlier on um twelve weeks uh twenty five people nineteen the other so again not that long um but uh they they measured a a good number of things including quite a bit on insulin resistance um which was was nice to see and i hadn't seen much much before um so the exercise, the the thing I didn't like about this article was, uh, it, I mean, it was it was interesting, and it was it, it essentially comes out very pro diet, and in there's always going to be that 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 truth to you can't uh, you can't exercise your way out of a bad diet, and and that's why um, well, that's why nutrition work exists, and we can't just tell everyone to go to the gym, uh, much as the uh, PTIs might like that. Um, what I was disappointed in this is it just interesting talk through interesting measures obviously all sort of surrogate endpoints but a really good try on that side of things um but the they went for a hit option and it just wasn't a very hit hit option it's if you're gonna do some exercise uh, as an alternative as your other arm then make sure you do it properly i think I think I saw that the the max heart rate for the sort of forty year olds that they got to in the HIT training was one hundred and fifty. Um, and I think if you're doing only getting to one hundred and fifty in a HIT training, then you, you probably need to be doing it in front of a a PTI because you're you never going to be able to get much benefit from it. So um, thought it was going to be really good. Fact, a little bit disappointing that that they sort of slipped down there. But just as a, an article looking at the impact of a very low. Um, carbohydrate diet on a number of um, metabolic markers it it was interesting the exercise thing uh, didn't didn't work unfortunately so um, i think that's uh, that's us done for this week Uh, i'll put obviously put all the references on the facebook site hope you're having a, a super week and getting plenty of training in and i'll speak to you soon